It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to this week's episode of Best Camp of My Life, a podcast about MMA. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. I'm your host, Fernanda Prates, and I'm just getting back from vacations after two weeks of leaving you all, my children, to your own devices. I hoped, I hope you behaved well, that you were nice to your siblings, and that you didn't miss me too much, although I know you did. I mean, how could you not? Um, okay, I'm, I'm feigning confidence. I'm trying to trying to be convincing with it. What do you think, babe? Is it? Is I hope it they didn't behave. No, no. I mean, like that. Don't behave. That's boring. That everybody miss me. Oh yeah, of course. Hopefully, I kidnap you. Then your family kidnap you <laughs> for a good couple of weeks. But it was fun. Yeah, we went on vacations to Europe to see my parents, who Rodrigo hadn't met. Because I just went on right ahead and married a dude that my family... <laughs> you moved in and then married a dude that no one in your family had met except your sister. Yeah. Which says something. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it does say something. I think it says something about my previous pattern of behavior is that I just up and left in the middle of a pandemic and went to Mexico to hang out with a guy they had never heard of in their lives. And they were just like... Good. Go ahead. <laughs> That's the most responsible thing you've done in a while. <laughs> like, we're actually <laughs> relieved that you're getting your shit together. Well, your sister had me. Yeah, well, Briefly. for like a night, you could absolutely be like a cult leader luring me to like a have, Mexican cult. She didn't know that. I, am not, I didn't know I'm that. I'm not that much of an asshole. Uh, I... I That's, wish it was sometimes. That sounds exactly like what a cult leader would say. Oh, I wish honestly. it was, but okay. Why do you wish you had a I cult? don't know. At least the confidence of a cult leader. Uh, I feel like the trade-off <laughs> still is You always send in tragedy, so there's that. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I would appreciate some confidence. Like, I feel like if I could have, like, just 40% more confidence, my life would be a whole lot better. But at the same time, if you weigh it with the manipulation and the crimes and the like ruining people's lives forever and the torture and the mind yeah. games like yeah you might be right <laughs> that's a whole other episode <laughs> wherein we debate the pros and cons of being a cult leader but did you did you uh have a good time in europe of course i did of course you're gonna say that because i'm asking you in public <laughs> like <laughs> you're not gonna believe me what do you ask me i don't know because it's like a podcast hosty thing to do like you're my guest and i need to ask you if well, you had you're not gonna time. believe me because we're doing this in public but i did 
Oh, I'm glad. I did too. Uh, and my family seems to like you. So. Yeah, that's weird. That's that's kind of like counts against you in some ways because uh, you've met my family. You've seen how we are, but... So it counts against me for you that your family liked me? Not for me. I mean, for society. Uh. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, uh, if you're liked by a certain kind of people, that says something about who you are as a I person. I do have to say one thing, though. Mm. I've, all, I've only been disliked by one family in relationships. Okay. Like, in all my relationships, I've only been disliked by one family. So okay. I'm good with families. Okay. Let's see. Let's see when the... Let's see if we ever break up how they really felt about you. Oh, you'll know and then they'll stop speaking to me. So, uh, But yes, we went on vacations and it was awesome. We got to um, forget about MMA for a bit. Even if we wanted to, we couldn't really have watched a lot of it there. We saw a bit of a UFC card before falling asleep. I got to say, I do admire all European MMA fans. <laughs> because it is crazy like in brazil it was bad the time was already bad with the the time zones like i there were events during um the our sort of daylight saving time which doesn't exist anymore because our president is a fascist idiot but that's again another podcast um that like some events would end at like 4 a.m and that was really rough and i'm like it's like that all the time for the people in europe they're having like starting events like in the middle of the night and they're still watching this shit. Yeah, because the Bisping won. When he fought Dan Henderson in Manchester, which was uh, at a time for the US, I think first fight was 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. or something. It's insane. Yeah, the one we kind of watched a bit of it was the, no, wasn't the, wasn't the McKenzie one. No, yeah, we, was, was I fell before. asleep before Mackenzie was on. Wasn't wasn't it the one before that started super early? Yeah, for people in the U.S. Was. I think it was like 10 a.m. the first fight in Vegas, and that's why we could watch it because like the first fight, it was like almost the normal schedule for us in Mexico. It was like first fight was like 6 p.m. or something. Yeah, it's honestly all my sympathy, empathy, and admiration because it takes commitment. Uh, especially does. now that I'm an old lady and I go to bed at like 11. <laughs> I have supper at 6 p.m. <laughs> Can we still have the experience of watching The Shining the last two nights? Oh, if we, I watched it as a two-parter. <laughs> that's the normal thing to do. It's like, that's that's the Netflix way. It's taught me to view things as one-hour products. And you've changed me too. Because <laughs> you're now an old man as well. Yeah, I used to, I, my, my hours were like, also wake from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. That was my schedule. Like I fall asleep at two. I don't know what time. Like I would wake up like at 10. I was up, and then we'll fall asleep at 2 a.m. Now, you saw me last night. It was like 9:15. I was like tilting asleep on the couch. I have that effect on men. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I come into men's lives and I turn them into. <laughs> old older gentlemen <laughs> who sleep at nine and uh, have lunch at eleven a.m. So uh, you're welcome for for this beautiful lifestyle change. So we have, like I said, been a little out of the loop, um, but 
we should discuss some of the MMA things that are MMA because I guess that's what I'm paid to do. <laughs> but I guess I'll start it this way. Shining. Here's what we're gonna do. Okay. Everybody's talked about the shining already in the well, universe. You haven't talked about the shining. <laughs> but I have. That's the difference. Po- it's not the subject. <laughs> okay. It's me. You. Uh, but let's talk about. We'll talk about the shining at the end. Uh, let's little talk a little about MMA, and I wanted to start with like a little word association game. Okay, I'm ready. No word. Yeah. So I'll I'll say a term, a person, a thing, and you tell me what comes to mind. One word. One word. Okay. Okay. I'll start. Jim Miller. Grizzly. That took a while, but that's good. That's still it's still on time. It's my second language. Grizzly. What grizzly? Grizzly veteran. Isn't it grizzled veteran? I don't know. It's not my language. <laughs> it's. I could be wrong. I'm actually gonna check because you have two. It's probably grizzled. You're the one who like actually writes in English. No, I'm gonna. Ch- I'm gonna actually confirm that one because I'd be. Well, I said grizzly. So there you go. That's my word. <laughs> if I say something about myself, if I say something about Jim Miller. Yeah, it's a grizzled veteran. Well, I said grizzly. Grizzly is the bear, but yeah. that's okay. No I'll take español, it. Bueno. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with grizzly, babe. Uh, yeah, I am. I think Jim Miller, and I wrote about this in the past, but I keep getting surprised. It's one of those things that you only learn to appreciate with age and sophistication. Like if you're just getting into MMA and you're like 22 and you, you know, you just, you want excitement, you crave, you know, the novelty, Jim Miller is not going to be your guy, right? Like it's, but if you're like over 30, you've seen things, you've learned to appreciate, you know, reliability and comfort, then Jim Miller is your guy. I think there was a window from like UFC 100. So like, were you there for the first, for the second Kane uh, JDS fight? Uh, was I? Because that was the night of uh, Jim Miller against uh, what's his name from Boston, the good jiu-jitsu guy who like no- knocked out Diego Sanchez. Where they, he got his shit cut up by Jim Miller It's like a bloodbath. Joe Lazan. Joe Lazan. Okay. So that was like, if you hadn't seen or talked about Jim Miller before. That night, where like Jim Miller just like sliced Joe Lazan's forehead open, it was just a bloodbath. Then he was your guy. But then you're gonna watch his post-fight interview. Then you're gonna. It's... I was disappointed by one thing, by the way. What? I understood that he was like putting the record of most UFC fights with like 38, I think it is, and that's why he came out to Iron Man by Black Sabbath. Good pick. I like Black Sabbath. I'm fine with it. I really love him. No credence. No credence by Jim Miller walking out. I feel taken. But this man walks out like a thousand times a year. You won't allow him to do like I need one him to different walk out with credence. Like he literally, like every month I look at my screen and there is, he's like an apparition. El if cre- you call Jim Miller's name three times out loud, he will appear in full gear on weight. And ready to fight. And you're That'd complaining. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Give me a beer. We'll try it at night and, and film it for like the TikToks or whatever. El Credence, yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, like when we were super excited about getting an air fryer. Like when you're, when you're a youngster, you're not excited <laughs> about an air fryer. 
And and Jim Miller is an air fryer, and I and that's a compliment because an air fryer is expensive. First of all, a good air fryer is expensive. It we is. know that it was. It's kind of a luxury item. It's not a whatever. It's not a pan. You don't need it. It's a yeah, exactly. You don't need it's it. It's a choice. It's a choice, but it's like an adult choice you make. Like I'm not gonna spend money on whatever else, and I'm gonna have this air fryer. So I I feel like I'm this is a compliment. I'm sorry, Jim Miller, if you're listening. This is not coming across like I wanted to, but it we is a compliment. You. We really do. And I'm just like, I feel like I've I'm finally at the stage of my life where I can really appreciate Jim Miller just being there. I don't even need to watch him. I'm just comforted by the fact that he's there. Also, if you knew any air fryer recipes. Um, yeah, the air fryer hasn't been doing a lot. It's just fries, guys. We research recipes. We tried a few things. It's just fries. Oh, so we're vegetarians. So like everyone would say, oh, you just like... Put do, chicken in it, whatever. Put buffalo wings on it. Like, yeah, we don't no, do chicken. Just, just the fries all the time. But you know what? It's still cool that we have one. Will Jim Miller make it to UFC 300? When we were trying to do the math, I have no idea when. Probably 2023. He might. I mean, he doesn't get injured a lot. He had the thing with Lyme disease in case you didn't know from literally everyone. Lyme disease for years. In case you didn't know since literally everyone talked about it for like two years straight as if it was a new thing. Um, also yes. called the Joe Rogan special <laughs> Yes I'm just gonna like Have my mind blown By this information That has been public For five years um, So yes Apart from that I don't think he gets injured a lot He seems to be like Enjoying himself They're not actually giving him A bunch of young lions Who are fucking him up I mean let's look at his Latest fight I don't even know Who was the Opponent for this fight It, was, it ended up being a Uh, Eric Gonzalez, Eric Ghost Pepper. Yeah. Who's a good fighter. Uh, props to him. Like, I think he got like 20 something pounds in a week. Gave him trouble in the first and then, like, you know, got his shag knocked out, but yeah. brought the Before fight to him. Good, it was good on him. Joe Selecki, Vink Pichel, Roosevelt Roberts, Scott Holtzman. That's a tough one. Yeah, oh. I lost your decision. Clay Guida, which is the fight that in my mind had happened like 15 <laughs> times already. <laughs> like Matt Brown and Scandal. Well, sometimes Wait, I suspect that we're just like having our memories massively erased over and over by some entity. You know, like when there's a glitch in the matrix and like oh, the like thing starts. Yeah, no, but like I mean you like watch a weird light out of the corner of your eye, and I was like. No, but what I mean us. is like when you have the memory, when you like something glitches in the, oh, the like programming and then you're like, something's up. Yeah. That that's one of those. That was one of those moments for yeah. me. It was when probably it was a like, crappy fight, the first one. And then we got our memories erasing and we had And this. then they had it again because I, I had to keep the I'm actually triple checking it right now that this really was the first time we fought Keita. Oh, should have. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, so yes, Jim Miller, that word association with, with Grizzly okay. or Grizzled. Let's do the next one, Quaker. I promise not to go into a Okay, that should be easy. Connor McGregor. Fuck him. <laughs> put it as one word. F-U-C-K apostrophe. Apostrophe, yeah. Um, Fuck him. Fuck okay, him. that's a word. I can I let's consult the judges. The judge is me. I allow it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm at a point where I'm like, is he pranking us? Like, he's, he, we've got to be part of some experiment. 
We haven't seen this particular story in MMA. We've seen it in every sport and we've seen it in boxing a lot. The unraveling. It's going to be sad. It's going to be fucking sad. Like, I'm like legit, not scared because I don't give a shit, but like worried. Like this is going to end ugly. Like he's going to like OD, he's going to go to jail. He's going to do something even more stupid than the things he's doing now. Okay, that's grim. No, dude, this is like, we've seen this story a thousand times in boxing, dude. I just like, you get a bunch of money, you lose the ground, you start like losing fights too. And some guys like have the cabal or the people around them to like shake it off of them. Like even if they don't come back to the sport, like they like their life is fine. And some of them just have to like go to rock bottom to like see something. To me, it's just the strangest thing. It's like I'm kind of used to. And maybe it's because I look at things with certain hindsight or like the documentaries or after the the person's stories kind of like they've gone through it already. But like to me, what's strange is that it's very inconsistent, right? Like we see him. It's not like a trip, typical, you know, rock bottom story where it's just this guy doing fucked up shit and we all know he's fucked up and he's lost and whatever. He's just had his third kid. He's always posting with his wife and his kids. And it was like, and to me, it was the most, the most recent thing was just the most McGregor-ish thing that had happened, which was him b- baptizing his third child in the freaking Vatican in one minute. And then he's being accused of randomly punching an Italian DJ. And from what I read, it does like seem like it was just a an alleged uh, kind of gratuitous attack. So it's kind of like, it's not even linear, right? Like on the, we're seeing these constant facets of him, like being this, this uh, family guy or like being, you know, this, he has been a gracious loser several times in the past. And then he goes, completely flies off the handle the next. And it's really hard for me to even understand what's going on with this person, which, of course, it's not a person I know, so I'm not going to have access to the particulars of any of the situations. But it's still like it's just such a weird thing for me to follow. And by the way, I found a new fold in the situation today randomly because I was looking at the uh, new story on MMA fighting with a translation of what the DJ was saying happened. And then somebody in the comments mentioned that Bella Thorne's fiance was involved in the situation. Huh. And then apparently he was there because he's uh, Italian or he was speaking Italian. I think he's Italian. And he was there and he saw it. And he was like, he's friends with the DJ apparently and he's corroborating the DJ's version from what I could understand because I don't speak Italian. Um, I had to put it on Google Translate and kind of figure it out. But Apparently, yeah, Bella Thorne. <laughs> we're we're two links of separation from Bella Thorne at this point. That's amazing. I mean, I'm not one for generalizing, of course, uh, but this is like it's also how it is, right? Like in the morning, you're fine, or like you can keep it together for a little bit, and then the demon creeps up. Like you can keep it together for your kid's baptism. And then, like, slowly the demon creeps up during the day and they do some dumb shit at night. Yeah, it's so hard to even, like, understand what exactly the what you're yeah. referring to as the quote-unquote demon is, right? What I'm, is the problem there? 
I'm not going to be an asshole like some people who have been assholes. Like, oh, yeah, he's doing drugs. Oh, yeah, he's drinking too much. Who the fuck knows? Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. That's the thing. We don't know. Maybe it's just him. Maybe, but there's obviously something. As a general rule, I don't go about life uh, assaulting people on the street. I mean, and I don't think that that's really uh, <laughs> what we should consider an acceptable pattern of behavior in a civilized society. So there's that. Uh, Especially when yeah. cameras are around you, right? Because like whatever happened with the Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly thing, you know you're stepping into an event with like, a hundred thousand cameras pointing at but you. My, and then you pull some dumb shit. What I thought at the time was that he was doing it on purpose for attention. Like it seemed like he was picking a fight with Machine Gun Kelly to get attention. To be like, I picked a fight with Machine Gun Kelly. That's kind of how I read it at the time. The time being like a month ago, but in our current simulation, a month feels like I would a thousand have you that if it was like around the Floyd Mayweather fight, like five years ago. When he was, like, very into, like, a pro wrestling persona. Now, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's just not... Uh... Godspeed. Hopefully he gets his shit together, because I don't wish that evil on anyone. And uh, let's see. Next association. Dylan Dennis. Irrelevant. <laughs> Harsh. But true. Harsh. Oh, no, yeah. No, sad but true by Metallica. Can't do my <laughs> harsh but true. Yeah. It's kind of like, and that's what I don't understand. Why, why are we paying attention? And then I realized that asking why we're paying attention is paying attention to the why we're not paying attention. So it's like, you can understand why. Like if people are watching or clicking or whatever even to just hate on it like it is a reason to click on it i get all of that but why at this point are we doing that with dylan dennis are we doing that with dylan dennis well if you invite him to like the most watched program in, in the mma internet you definitely are like whatever you invited him from you know I i don't know he's also like a very weird dude who like also like obviously craves attention um, got run out of the BJJ gyms. I don't think we need to repeat the story and stuff. Uh, he did drop the bag massively because they tried to make the Jake Paul, Dylan Dennis thing happen. They did that whole montage where like Dylan Dennis was doing the Brendan Schaaf show and like Jake Paul like threw what was it like water balloons on him or something. Yeah. Which was obviously like... Was a, water balloons, right? That he was driving I past. I think it was water things. balloons. I don't remember. But it's obviously planned. Like it was like, oh, he just found out and someone tipped him off. Yeah. It, it was obviously planned, planned by like everyone involved to like make some noise. Mm-hmm. And he fumbled the bag because he could have boxed Jake Paul and make... He would have lost because Jake's way too fucking big for him, which is the thing with Jake Paul. He'll never box anyone his size. Yeah. But he would have made like two, three million dollars easy instead of like pricing himself out. And he just like keeps pricing himself out of actual things to make money and just behaving weirdly everywhere else. How is he even making money? Is he even doing seminars anymore? I don't know. And it like even that's the thing. Even when I don't particularly respond to a person or don't particularly like a person and I'm totally, I guess, indifferent to Dylan Dennis's existence. I kind of understand the allure or like why people would respond. 
With him, I'm just kind of like at a loss. Dude, also you were like doing like even after his fights with the BJJ uh, gyms and I think it was uh, Marcelo Garcia. Okay, yeah, right. Like, getting was. run out of the Marcelo Garcia gym and stuff. Uh, he was the corner for Conor McGregor. He was a belter fighter. Like he was, whether you yeah. loved him or hated him, he was in a good track. And he himself blew it up because like with everything Conor did and uh, Artem did and Habib did to provoke the fight that day in Vegas uh, three years ago, the Dylan did a lot more than most of them. And when Habib flew out of the cage, it wasn't to get John Kavanaugh. Yeah, it, was it wasn't to Dylan. get the striking coach, who I'm sorry, I forget his name, a Rody. Rody. It was to get Dylan. Literally, it was just to get Dylan. So he like blow, he keeps blowing himself up in several situations. And I'm honestly, I'm sorry for him. But that's the thing, right? You, I'm not is enjoying it for himself. clout? I, dude, I don't. I see a lot of people, like influencers, and obviously they just blend into sports, who like start doing this shit for cloud, and then they get lost. Right? We say in Mexico, se quedó en el viaje. Se quedó en el viaje. They get lost. They get lost in whatever is happening with them on, on, on social media and getting cloud. And then they start losing actual opportunities they have. He has 1.3 million followers on Instagram. Is Dude, that a lot? Are you monetizing that? Because that's a shit thing to monetize. Yeah. I don't understand. I feel like this is this is a question for the youth. <laughs> he's actually 28. He's not, he's not that much. And, he's uh, young, isn't he? Yeah, he's 28. And uh, yeah, and he obviously is also on the news. So we were talking about it because of uh, an arrest... After what I believe was a fight. La trifulca. Kerfuffle? Kerfuffle. At a nightclub, yeah. wasn't it? And then yeah. he got choked out by a security guard at a nightclub. Here on fighting. Obviously, like, people like, started making fun of him because you are yeah. Dylan Dennis. According to court records, Dennis created a disturbance at the bar that was witnessed by police and was arrested on September 18. Uh, Dennis on Monday estimated he spent 20 minutes in jail after getting picked up uh, because the police at the station were quote-unquote fans. That's what says in the MMA fighting story on his um, appearance at the MMA hour. But I just, I get so exhausted just following this thing because it feels like it's such a cycle of just like this being the news and this being the things that we are debating which I get is kind of uh, ironic considering I'm the one who brought him up <laughs> no but I get it but, and, I, and I understand why websites keep like feeding the circle and feeding the fire instead of like you can literally do one article about this like this happened, this was going to happen, that's it. Like, you don't have to do one every day. But then yeah. people click on it, yeah. so you do one every day. People are interested because it's like, it's conflict. It's human nature, right? Yeah. Like, you're just, you just want to see shit go down. And yeah. then shit went down, and we want to see the participants yep. recall how shit went down. But yep. it's kind of like, uh, I get really it's tired of just like, I'm just glad I'm not like doing the everyday stuff anymore. But it's still just like having the conversations is pretty tiring. Uh, another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and that I don't even know if you if you saw it, because so we we're didn't... done with the words associations. Uh, I guess. Do you want to okay. do you want to do one for me? 
I'll do one at the end. Let me think about it. Okay. I didn't know this was coming up. So yeah, I'm she surprised. She never warns me about this thing. Because so like <laughs> they need to get your your yeah, reaction no, no, in real like, time. If you heard the Double Dragon episode, I did it. I she kind of told me what we were doing, but I didn't tell you any of the reviews. Okay, I'm sorry. And see how amazing that turned out. That was amazing. It was a good episode. See how how much of a masterpiece that was. I think I don't remember much it was of it. Actually, a good episode. Oh, good on us. Uh, I'm gonna open it up here. Uh, the yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, uh, on the MMA hour, when Ariel spoke about how he wanted to have Corey Anderson on the show. Oh, I saw something. But he couldn't have him on the show because his manager, uh, who, if I'm not mistaken, is Ali Abdelaziz, wouldn't allow him on the show because he has beef with Ariel. Do we know what the beef is? I'm not, I'm, I'm Ariel explained it once. I don't watch the MMA hours. So I've never had, so I have no idea what the beef is. I know there's a beef because of when Kayla Harrison was there. Yeah, because she Cause said she, that she defied the, yeah. the orders of the upper. That's how I found out that there was a thing. Yeah, I think Ariel did a video talking about it. Um, again, don't remember. <laughs> uh, don't remember much of it, but he did address it at some point. But the bottom line is, and, and I think he was kind of if I'm not mistaken, they'll call me on this, but that he was also kind of puzzled as to what exactly happened there. But uh, yeah, and then he just wouldn't allow his client who had just won a major fight to be on what is pretty much the most, not pretty much, it is the most MMA, most watched MMA show currently. Um, I'm willing to bet based on every metric, but... It's a thing you want to be. He was a week before. Yeah, he was, was, the, he was the, the week before. Yeah, yeah. And then he won the biggest fight of his career. And then it's like... Because this is the biggest win of his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like knocking out Ryan Bader in 51 yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. And then you won't allow him on a show because you have beef. Yeah, it's also a very thing about uh, managers, you know, and what the role of managers are in any sport. I'm always like... When I started my career in like... I'm not going to say I'm a journalist, but like whatever I did within Discutio.com and then in come and then as an analyst and then eventually moving as a play-by-play thing, which I do now. I'm not even writing about MMA anymore anywhere. I've loved to, but I don't have a place to. I'm just doing play-by-play. The role of the manager in MMA always surprised me because it's so different than from other sports. Mm-hmm. Like managers are shady in every single sport, right? Uh, in F1, they're like really shady as shit. Uh, Flavio Briatore was like the manager for like a bunch of drivers. Toto Wolf was like the director of Mercedes, is the manager for a bunch of drivers that are with other teams, which seems like a huge conflict of interest. I didn't even know oh, that. he's the manager for Esteban Ocon. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's weird, right? Yeah. Like it's a huge conflict of interest. In soccer, obviously, in Mexico, I don't know in Brazil, but like in Mexico and in Europe, like the managers are shady as shit. And you see like, Teams paying the managers and the managers paying the team so they their kid plays, whatever. But what I hadn't seen till I came to MMA, and then what you kind of saw it in the NBA in some spots, is the manager trying to be the star. Yeah. That's what I never got. That I don't, in boxing? I don't get, hmm? In boxing? Managers? I mean, you have the promoters being stars. But not managers. I don't. I mean, the surely is one that escapes me because I'm not super uh, a super boxing head. Yeah. But like the personalities were like Don King, mm-hmm. Bob Arum, 
like, promoters. Yeah. Oscar de la Hoya with Golden Boy and Richard mm-hmm. Schaefer is now working with uh, John Jones, apparently. They're like the stars. They're the promoters. They're like Dana. They're like Scott Coker, whatever. Yeah. Uh, dude, like managers in corners, managers doing interviews. I've, I'm not going to say who, but I've heard managers sitting behind me yelling instructions at the fighters in the cage. Like, as if there were their quarters. But sometimes like managers are trainers. I know one who is, who's a good a friend of mine. A bunch of them train. Who is a, a, a trainer and a manager. A bunch of trainers. This is a person who, like, what he was yelling was exactly the opposite mm-hmm. of what the corner was yelling. That day so, is so a manager weird. and a head trainer. That, 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 that And then we have that in MMA, right? Like, the, yeah. the coaches being the managers. Yeah. So it's a very weird relationship in MMA management. I always get... Okay, I have, like I said, I have people who became good friends of mine who are managers. I, who to me seem to be great managers. I don't know, because I'm not in there on the day-to-day, but who seem to be good managers. So I'm not here to say all managers fucking suck, but it really is a weird relationship. Um, And I think there is a specific dynamic there, especially when you have many fighters and some of them are in the same weight division. Right? Like, it's you can imagine that, okay, you do need to have a good relationship with a promotion uh, because for the sake of your own fighter, right? If you're a fighter and you have a manager who's fighting with your promotion, that's not good for you either because you might not get the best opportunities because they're not willing to extend uh, a lot of favors to that person. I get that. But when your main focus seems to be pleasing the promotion... That's my... Yeah. It's you stop being a manager because if you're managing the fighter, your main interest is supposed to be the fighter. And that seems obvious, I guess. But then you look at a sport like MMA and the world and you have all these very delicate balances there. And um, when this happened yesterday, Dan Stubb, my former editor at MMA Junkie and at The Athletic, he brought up uh, the survey that we conducted, uh, the anonymous survey that we conducted with multiple fighters um, uh, a little while back. And it, we we asked about managers. And it was very interesting because one of the questions was whether managers, whether they believe that managers adequately represent fighters' interests. And I believe it was 44.1% who said no. Of these fighters. So it's kind of like, that's an alarming number. And you have, uh, in the story, I remember it was Josh Gross who wrote it. And he interviewed some managers and he talked to uh, Dan Lambert from ATT, who also managed managed some people. I don't know if he still manages them. And he was talking like, oh, sometimes um, it's like an overpromise thing. Like the manager promises a bunch of things for the fighter. And then when he doesn't deliver, the fighter is upset. Um, And then there are other things like short-term memories. And that was, I don't remember who exactly was quoted saying that, but somebody in the story said, oh, sometimes the, the manager is what got the fighter to the UFC. And then like two fights in, the fighter forgets about that. And they just want other things with their career. And they kind of have short-term memories. I can see all that, but still... I do agree with you that there seems to be a lot of just trying to make it about yourself or maintaining a really large roster of fighters. That that was, I I wanted to talk about that one. Because we are 
like we've been involved, you've been involved in MMA longer than I have, but like we've been involved in this for a while. And we've seen it change in one thing. Now it's a numbers game. Now it's a volume game. Yeah. With the UFC doing 40 plus events every year, it's a volume game. Like everyone wants like over a hundred fighters. Yeah. And when a management agency has over a hundred fighters, you're going to run into a shit ton of conflicts. That's the thing, right? Like- I've heard about managers like having a title ship offered at two fighters from their roster. How do you do? How do you how do balance this? that? That's like because you, you can have the best this? intentions in the world, right? You can even like be very well intentioned and have to, you know, just really believe I have all these fighters and I'm gonna do right, do my best to do right by all of them. How can you not run into this kind of conflict eventually? Oh, and I've seen also managers like, oh, there's a spot for a short um, for a short notice fight against one of my fighters. And I've seen managers put their own fighters against one of their own fighters mm. and a short-term replacement. That opens a fucking Pandora box. Yeah. Because like maybe one of the fighters is going to get upset. And I'm not implying shit. But you want it to look clear? Like, are you going to have two of your fights, uh, guys fighting each other? Like, it, it's just, no. At the same time, how do you fix that, right? Like, that's the, at this point. And then you're dumb enough, like, one championship, which is like, oh, you have to be verified by us. You have to be certified by us to be a manager. And then you see that the owner of the fucking company owns a gym yeah. that obviously gets preference in booking, better bookings, better salaries, and manages the fighters. So, like, imagine being no, a white managing a hundred fighters. Yeah. That's technically a good start, right? Certifying or having some type of like survey, not surveillance, but some type of, I don't know, standards. You know how you Because get that? it is an important position. But. With a union. Yeah. Because that's how the NFL works. That's how the MOB works. The NHL, the NBA. Yeah. The agents have to be certified by the union. Yeah. Because the one certifying thing, that was a joke. That was mm-hmm. like, they just wanted to keep people out. It was like, very blatant that they wanted to keep certain managers out mm. and not have them go into Asia. But how you get certification, like even like the how you get guys from like money investing for money planning, like they're certified by the union. Whether it's a good price or not, well, that depends on the union and it's uh, the people who, who, who form part of it, right? Yeah. That's the thing, right? We we <laughs> all the arguments lead to what's the solution for Unionizing that? Unionizing guys, Unionizing. but then you have the thing. Remember the Derek Lewis thing, right? Like, oh, someone's pricing himself. Oh, I'll do it for less. Like, dude, you're literally just like stumbling in your own food. But we talked about this before, right? Can you actually blame the fighters? No, and you have the promotion, like. Pushing everyone. To do that. It's very convenient. That's why you end up like having the same conversation over and over because it is like you can't blame a fighter who really grows, grows. And I mean, professionally in this system that is fundamentally individualistic and in such a short career with such high stakes. And you can't really blame them, in my opinion, for looking out for themselves. Right. Because they think, well, okay, if I don't do that, who's going to do that for me? And, you know, or, okay, I'll pass on the title shot and then somebody else is going to come along and take it. And we've seen it that everyone, every time when someone talks about money and like it should be more fair, the moment they get theirs, they completely forget. Yeah. 
So let's see. Do you have, we have a couple of upcoming events. I'm really flying by the seat of my pants here today. That's good. I uh, like it. I like it. <laughs> Loves it for you. Get you a man who supports you. We have Bellator and uh, USC coming up this weekend. The Bellator one is, and honestly, that to me is crazy. I, did, I, I didn't realize that Fedor was already this weekend. In Russia. In Russia. Yep. It really flew under. Is it me just being completely disconnected or did it fly under the radar? Uh, it was like announced. And I don't know if like people have really followed up on it. That's my thing. Uh, I didn't watch the Bellator car full. I watched like just the fights before I uh, sent out my votes. Because I only mm. watched the end of the event. Like I, uh, you fell asleep. And then I put it for Bader, Corey Anderson. And that's what I watched. I just watched mm-hmm. the last two fights. Angliskas and Nemkov. We have to and uh, <laughs> we have to talk about Nemkov. He's the best light heavyweight in the world. Okay. I know what Corey Anderson is saying. I know what Jan Blachow is saying. Like, did I knock you the fuck out? Stop saying you're better than me. Because he's not. I love Corey. He's a good fighter. I hate all the problems he had with the UFC. It sucks. Yeah. But he's become an even better fighter. He's a good fucking fighter. Seven and one in the last yeah. eight. Yeah. Only lost against Blachowicz. I think Nemkov is the best light heavyweight in the world right now. And he's how old is so he? Good. Nemkov, I'm thinking he's 28 or 29, dude. He's not that old. I've called his brothers fights on M1 and PFL, Victor's. There are more than one. There's two. They they look so similar, too. And they could already, like, probably ruin Earth. I always have a problem with, like, (laughs) siblings who are very good at fighting. They always make me suspicious. Forever. Valentina and Antonina. Like, we're, we're, I, I don't. I I'm a, I'm scared. No, Victor's really good too, and they look. Really, uh, so, he's twenty nine. Yeah, and yeah. Victor, I think, is the the elder. Okay. Yeah, he's thirty four. Okay. Victor's thirty four. Yeah, they're both Cossacks. I think that's why it escaped. I don't know. It's no. not a super good card. I mean, yeah, it's got uh, Usman and Magomedov. Yeah. It's got my boy Vitali Minakov. Obviously, it's a very Russian-centric fight. They're going back. They're, they've been leaving. Like, they've already been in Paris and in Europe and stuff. And it's obviously for, like, the crowd there. But we'll see. Um, I mean, three was going to happen with Federer. Like, we knew he wasn't going to get, like, a top-flight opponent at this time. But there could be some back. cooler opponent. <laughs> that's, that's my uh, thing. Like, we could have made it cooler. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, Beef. I don't know. Are you... At this point, though, still excited about watching Fedor fight? I, honestly, no. No? Yeah, I probably won't even watch it live. I don't even know what time it is for us. Yeah, I have it here uh, on Topology. It says Saturday 23rd at 12 like, p.m. ET. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like yeah, 11 a.m. There's a bunch of prelims, too, because obviously it's a lot, a lot of um, local talent. Uh, Anatoly Tokov is also a good fighter there. Usman, I really want to watch, obviously. And then, obviously, Vitali. Like, I'll watch it later in the, in the day. But, like, this is very much a ticket seller card, let's say. Okay. And then we skip to the... UFC one? UFC. And I'll say this. I I am post-Fader. Like, in my MMA fandom. Yeah. Like, my first Fader fight that I watched was him being armbarred by Verdum. <laughs> so <laughs> like I I missed 
the entire thing. So while I can absolutely appreciate everything he did and like what he was for MMA for a long time, I don't have the emotional attachment, I think. I think it takes actually witnessing something happening in a way to actually have that kind of like sentimentality. And I don't have a fader. Yeah. We do have like to get someone and I'm saying you, but let's see. Do a small thing. (laughs) Okay. What do you mean a small thing? Because that's like one of the greatest career turnarounds ever from like begging Alistair over him to go into his guard and getting cut by the UFC after losing to JDS to arm barring fatter and becoming the UFC champion. I did have like a... Like, did anyone see that coming? I did a Q&A with him about the Fader fight specifically. Yeah, was, wasn't it like last year or something? <sighs> yeah, because it was a, an anniversary. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. I remember. I rem- yeah, you, you're, you were already living with me. Yeah, and I you remember like I called him to talk about it and he was like, holy shit, it has really been like fucking 10, 10 years. years wasn't it? Yep. It's in 2010? It was 20... I'm opening the his card, his thing right now. Oh, Ben Fox is going to sue you for copyright for this. Why? Because you're Googling something while you're recording. I always do that. I have shit memory. You know that. <laughs> I need to. Uh, the Overeem was after... Uh, after the Federal. Yeah, it was after Federer. It wasn't before. Uh, but yeah, he was. it was in the... Um, yeah. What's the 6th? June. <laughs> June. June <laughs> I have to do the trick with like my knuckles. knuckles. <laughs> to remember. 30 or 31 days. When I say I have bad memory. I have no idea. You don't understand. I need to have my computer in front of me. Otherwise, like, I will say, I will completely misread my memories and get them all scrambled together. Uh, But yeah, so I don't really, because I lack that sort of involvement, I don't really care that much. I get it. But I wonder if, like, because is this supposed to be his last? I think it was. Because it wasn't the idea for it to be in Moscow. Oh, I'm very I mean, out of the loop with everything. Hopefully it goes better than his last fight in Russia. Yeah. That was the Fabio Maldonado fight, which he lost. And then he was... And they, they didn't stop. They... And then they just, like, did yeah. a shit show in the cards. I called that fight live. Poor... F- I, I remember I was trying to get a hold of Fabio right after it. Because I dealt a lot with him while uh, doing PR. Uh, and he's exactly as you would imagine. Fabio Maldonado. Let's say mercurial and unpredictable. <laughs> That's a good definition, yeah. Uh, but I was talking to one of the people who were in his entourage and I actually did get to uh, get a quick interview with him right after the fight. And he was like, I, from what I, I remember, again, shit memory, but from what I remember, he wasn't even, he was just so excited about fighting Fedor, honestly. <laughs> That I think it was kind of like, yeah, that was bullshit. But, you know, I fought Fader. (laughs) That was was the time doing play-by-play that I got the most hate. Why? Because we called, like, on air, we called what we saw, which is Mm. this fight should have been stopped. Yeah. He was out. There was, like, 60 punches without a protection. Yeah. It wasn't intelligent defense. If this wasn't in Russia, this fight would have been stopped. We're doing it for the UFC Network People got mad. Why? Dude, we had, there was, like, 6 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, I remember. I it's kid really you weird. not, I got a thousand mentions <gasps> with hate. <gasps> just like insults and telling me to fuck myself. I was just an idiot that I knew nothing about MMA. People get heated over Dude, the darkness. So, people get so defensive. <laughs> if you think I get defensive about Kaim, You do. 
You have no idea how defensive people to, get against. To about my knowledge, Fennec. you haven't like called people names online because of him. You have but. no idea how people get defensive of okay. Fennec. Yeah, it's that's what insane. I said. I don't have that sort of. It's insane. I've never gotten so much hate ever. Um, and then moving forward, we have the UFC event, um, which is headlined by Paulo uh, Borrachinha and Marvin Vettori. Which is um, a thing. A thing that's happening. I, <laughs> I think it's going to be a good fight, uh, but I. It's safe to say I'm not emotionally invested. In the <laughs> this is a fight, and I'm I'm so sorry because I, I don't want to sound like a fucking hater. I don't want to sound like I'm insulting the other fighters because I know how personal they take it. This is a show where like the UFC is like crossing their fingers for the main event to show up. You're not a real fan. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to watch Grand Dawson versus Rick Lang as the main event. You're you're not a real fan because all the real fans know, okay, that the best cards end up being the ones that look the worst. Okay, well, literally everybody on Twitter knows that. So you're a casual. Yeah, a casual that does not like <laughs> spoofing shit by the owner of a promoter. All he wants is your attention and your eyes and TV. I, if you like being spoon-fed, actual spoons of <laughs> shit, then I'm fine with it. Good on you. Everyone has this weird eating habits. I eat too much carbs. Ask my wife. She tells me every day that I eat too much carbs. It's fine. It's fine. I have a soft spot for bread and for churros. Churros are so amazing. So you say that people have a soft spot for shit. I mean, <laughs> spe well, very specific spoon-fed shit by Dana White in their mouths. Okay. But, dude, it has fighters that I like. It really has fighters that I like. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. And this is what, jokes aside, I keep trying to get across. And I've seen this conversation happen online involving so many of my colleagues all the time. It's like, again, it's one of those tiring, on-loop conversations. There is room for both looking at a card and saying, this, if this promotion is the premier promotion, Thank you. if they're supposed to have, and they do, they have the top talent or among the top talent, right? They have a lot of the top talent. Well, they don't have Vadim Nemkov. Um, okay. They don't have all the best. They don't have. What do you I'm think? Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I get. But that's kind of what I was kind of trying to say. I'm not saying all the best fighters in the world are in the UFC, okay? But generally speaking, their roster is the fullest yeah, when it course. comes to just top level talent. And then you're making money off people paying to see your product, and it looks like you're not putting you're not putting care into that product. You know, that's the thing that I don't think people understand. We're not devaluing the fighters when we say that a card is not great. It's not that the fighters are bad. It's that it's lacking intrigue. And then, of course, a card can sometimes on paper not look the best and end up being really cool. We've seen that several fucking times. We've seen cards deliver uh, when they don't look that exciting or we don't, we're not that passionate about any of the names, but you can do both. You can criticize the promotion for churning out so much content that the content comes across as diluted, 
diluted, sorry, diluted, it's something else. Second language problems. I mean, both <laughs> of them come across as diluted <laughs> and diluted. So. That comes, you know, that it seems like they're watering down their product. Uh, you can absolutely have a take issue with that. And watch the card the same way and enjoy it the same way and cover it the same way and also appreciate the individual talent on the card. I, for one, am looking at it right now and it has Jessica Rose Clark, who I adore. I will watch anything that Jessica Rose Clark yeah, is in. She's awesome. And you have like Cassidy's, who always does something really fucking weird and I love him for oh, it. You have my boy, Masaranduba. Oh, yep. You know, the most, we're talking about grizzly, grizzled, sturdy, air Grizzlies, fryers. It's a thing. <laughs> air fryers. My boy, Masaranduba. Look, you know? You, don't you like Ike Villanueva? Aren't you oh, the like my big boy, Ike Villanueva. See? Oh, Livinha. I like Livinha. He hasn't been like great in the UFC, but I like her. I like her. Mason Jones. I think you hit it in the head. Oh, Laurena Sarapoli. Kama Worthy. Jai Herbert. Let's take it an analogy. Your analogy is like sports or like entertainment. B movies. They're great. They're fun. They're amazing. Minor league sports. They can be super fun. Or college football can be super fun and amazing. But when I tune in to watch the NFL, I don't want to watch a Division One NCAA football game. I want to watch the fucking NFL. When I tune into an NBA game, I don't want to watch the G League. It might be fun. It might be good. But I tuned into the NBA. I'm sorry. This is not a UFC card. Yeah. Except for the main event. This, this is not what the UFC was, which is still trying to make happen now. As if, okay, I know their thing is the brand now. I know the thing is not the fighters. So you're going to watch the UFC. And yeah. you want to watch whatever we put on the screen. That's the That's the issue with me. Because it's not even... So you take these fights and you spread them out. They're perfectly fine in in existing in other cards. No, My problem card. is assembling them all together. Also, look at the last four cards. In a single card and doing that for several cards in a row. That's what I'm trying to say. Because I do, I do feel like sometimes the argument when people, even when they're trying to make the point that I'm trying to make now can can come across can come across harsh and can make it seem like you're just saying that this is not UFC level talent. What we're saying is this could be, these could be contenders for all we know, right? In the future, in the near future, in the mid, but they're not right now. So we're talking about a card that's really lacking on gravitas. Did I use that word right? I've you always did. wanted to use it. <laughs> so it's kind of just, like, just look at it. If the main event fails, yeah, what's that? And it's yeah, Grant Dawson and Rick Glenn. And how many dude, tickets? And also the you. I the, love watching Rick Glenn. By the way, like oh, yeah, I yeah. am a massive Rick Glenn fan, oh. but this is. Not a Can main I event speaking fight. Speaking public of my Rickland theory. What is your Rickland oh, theory? I only spoken about this in Spanish. Okay, I'm getting a an exclusive here. When a fighter can't use their length, okay, for kickboxing or actual boxing, that's the Rickland school of hitting. I always thought it was the Stefan Struve school of. Oh, yeah, also, also, <laughs> but to me it's the Rickland because we used to call Rickland fights and was used to fight. Oh, okay. He's super long. But he doesn't. Can't use his yeah. length to save his life. But he's still exciting. Also, this fight, like you get away with this cards, 
because you're in the UFC Apex. Yeah. Imagine taking this on the road. Yeah. How many tickets would you sell for this? And I've, yeah, and I've, I've, I've had issues uh, in Brazil with cards that weren't amazing and didn't really sell. Um, in the main events, uh, how are we I still have my bet out. What is your bet? Uh, Costa isn't fighting. Oh, you think he's not going to even I've, make so it? I've said this like, for the last four weeks. I don't think he's going to show up. I think something's going to go wrong. That guy is like, we, in Mexico, we say salado. Where like everything just goes wrong. And I think he's like in one of those rounds where like everything goes wrong for him. How many of his fights got canceled? I said like three now. Because Kelvin replaced him, I think, twice. Whitaker, he got sick. And Kananir. And Kananir. Yeah, Kelvin replaced him twice. Yeah, he withdrew from, but it was just two. Oh, no, the one with Hall uh, in 2018. Yeah. When when was the last time he fought? Was the Adesanya fight, right? Was Adesanya, yeah. Which is like early 2020? September 2020. September 2020. Yeah. I'm like, these are not very charismatic people. (laughs) Well, they're charismatic to a certain type of people. Uh, I always struggle. Like, I don't like talking shit about any fighter, um, honestly, because I don't know them personally. And... I have to keep talking about like when I'm addressing a problematic or bad thing that a fighter has said or done or whatever, like I am talking about that specifically or the ver- the public version of the fighter that I have access to. Like yeah. I can't speak to anybody's character because I'm not talking about people in the sense that people that I have in my everyday life. I talk about public projections of these people because it's, you know, what I have access to. But with uh, Paulo, it's like, he's always been very nice to me, very polite, has given me great interviews. And for a while, I think in Brazil, it was very much like he's the next thing. Like everybody yeah, was, was very much was. expecting him to be the next champion. He came out like guns blazing, torching everyone, like looking like the freaking Hulk. And, you know, he had every element there and like, also very like articulate and started trying to learn English and all those things to communicate better. Like, but he's been a staunch Bolsonaro supporter from the very beginning. Like he was one of the first, like I that I remember yelling Bolsonaro. Remains a Bolsonaro supporter. And for people who think that I'm bringing politics into it. It's not politics. If you know anything about uh, Brazil and what the current president has done and continues to do to our country, uh, you'll understand it's not about politics. It's a fucking aberration that this guy uh, even made it into power, but that he's still in power after all the things that he's doing. And Paulo has been a very uh, big supporter. So that, to me, it's kind of like, you know, I know when I say this, some people get rubbed the wrong way. Like, oh, so you're discounting a person because of the, what they voted for, who they, yes, whatever. Like, I do. I, I, I kind of do. <laughs> I'm a person. Like, Dude, I'm a human. And if, like, this is a person, this is a president who really stands for everything that I despise in the world. And um, one thing that also, like, really turned me off um, was a couple of years ago, Paulo decided to be made aware of Fallon Fox's existence. Mind you, Fallon had been retired from MMA for years by then. 
So Bohashinha found out about her existence, I think through another disgusting Brazilian politician, but I'm not sure. And he recorded this whole rant, misgendering Fallon, the entire rant, like deliberately and saying all these horrible things about like how he was going to beat her up and like to schedule a fight with her because she was a coward and she had decimated all her opponents, even though she hadn't, she had actually lost to Ashley Evan Smith. And uh, it was, and it was ugly. It was kind of like a longish rent. And I ended up not writing anything about it. And I think it was very much a decision I made of this doesn't add anything. Yeah, why give air to this? Why give air to this? Like, and I ended up opting kind of against it. But since then, like, it's just been, you know, I don't, again, I don't like, I don't like even expressing sort of these directed personal opinions to specific fighters and stuff. Um, but this really kind of like stuck in my throat. And now with all the transphobic hate that was thrown uh, towards Alana, it just kind of like brought back the memories of that one for me. And I'm kind of like, ugh, like, ugh, just gives me a bad vibe. Oh, and I get, dude, I get it. I'm Mexican. If you voted for Trump, I am discounting you. Mm. Like you're voting for someone who literally hates my country and myself. That's the thing. So that, why can I not discount you for that? That's the thing that a lot of people um, don't seem to understand. And we've all, I think, been through this with our families. Like, I'm guessing if you're still listening to this show, we probably kind of are on the same side of at least most issues and the quote-unquote political spectrum. But, you know, you've had this conversation. I've had it with my family. Like, ah, we're not going to fight over politics. Or, ah, this person alienated the family. Bolsonaro was a big, big moment in Brazil for that. Like, it really tore apart a lot of relationships and families. And you get a lot of people with sort of superiority. Like, um, no, I'm not going to let a president getting between me and my loved ones. And then you kind of peel back the layers and you understand that it's not, it's not the party that the president is representing. It's not about any of that. Like if a person really goes out of their way to condemn things that are at the very core of who you are as a person or what you believe as a person, and you're supposed to not mind that, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, Sorry. You're supposed to be polite and you're supposed to not say anything or on the other chick, no, fuck no. Yeah. And it's been... Also, it's your podcast, so talk about whatever you want. Yeah, I know, but it's kind of like it's been a weird balance. Um, and I've talked about this on the show and obviously to you several times in the past because uh, when the elections happened, and I remember a lot of Americans were looking like flabbergasted, like, oh, this fighter came out in support of Bolsonaro. I'm like, you have no idea how many people are coming out in support because it sounds so outrageous um, hearing it from the outside. And then you explain yeah. the intricacies of Brazilian politics to the extent that you can explain because I still can't explain a lot of what's been happening in the country for the past few years uh, or ever, but that's another conversation. But like, it's, it's very complicated and it's very hard for me to discuss. And it's also something that I kind of had to work within myself because if I just, you know, everybody who votes voted for Bolsonaro is uh, an awful human being, I'm gonna, <laughs> that's also not a, a, a stance that I can take in my life. You know, like I need to cut them out at all costs. It's also not that simple. So yeah, that's a whole rant. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> just things that I needed to get off my chest and things that I have been asked about and that I really have kind of a tough time articulating because it is kind of complicated. But yeah, in this case, like uh, a lot of people have since abandoned the Bolsonaro wagon be- when it became very clear what was already clear before he got elected, <laughs> mind you, but <laughs> when it was like obvious that this this was taking very, very dark turns. Um, a lot of people just stopped talking about him. Like, right, not gonna outright condemn him, but I'm just gonna, like, take a neutral stance. And the people who remained staunch defenders, I'm... Yeah, I don't get it. It makes well, that also includes the people who, like, they remain because they don't want to be wrong, right? Yeah, right. Like, like stubborn enough. You see with the Trump people. Like, I campaigned for this person. Like, you see it with the people who are, like, anti-vaxxers and, like, spreading, like, false information about COVID and stuff. Like, I, like I've like i bet my entire fucking position on this. I'm not going to admit that I was yeah. wrong. It take, Dude, it takes a higher person to admit they're wrong about anything. The yeah. most trivial thing. Yeah. Imagine that. Like, I've been, like, publicly defending this platform more this person and then I found out I was wrong. I fortunately did I tell you that I saw some anti-vax protest, protesters on Sunday? Here in Mexico? Yeah, when I was riding back from my back ride on Sunday. There like 10 of them. But fortunately, because oh, they were like at the stop with the bike. They close a big avenue in Mexico and yeah. they make stops. So we were like at a stop waiting for like the cars to cross and to be let go. There were like 10, 15 of them. There was like 30 of us biking. Mm-hmm. All of us flipped them off. So that made me real proud. That made me real fucking proud. All of us just like, they're like, yeah, the WHO is lying. (laughs) Literally every single one of those flipped them off. Amazing. I'm proud of that. Amazing. That was good. And when we were in Portugal in a beer place in Porto and the DJ yelled Fora Bolsonaro. I was like, ah. Also, you didn't bring politics into this. Costa did. Yeah. He's very politic, very... Pro Bolsonaro in his, all his social media yeah. and interviews. So this ain't on us. This ain't on you. That's on him. I guess I could have skipped through it, but... No. I did. I do get... I did. Not anymore, but I used to get asked a lot. And Twitter is not the place to have certain conversations. And I don't want to have to like... Twitter is not the place to have any conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's like I can't really respond to certain things in just a few characters. So I try to parse it out through this show. Uh, and I usually talk about it at the end. So only the worthy people will <laughs> hear. Um, I guess that's it, babe. We covered a lot of ground, more than I was expecting. Is there anything else you want to cover before we go? Uh, what do you think about The Shining? What I thought about The Shining. What yeah, I, I thought about The Shining. The thing is, when you watch something that has been so that's discussed... What I, that's what I want to know. Because it's like something very discussed, yeah. very like maligned or liked or whatever. When you've seen all like the memes and the that's things, it's not as as impressive as it probably was for people watching it like with sort of less references. But it's uh, and it's a great movie. And like Shelley Duvall annoyed me to no end, but I understand that was, and then reading about how taxing that performance was on her, I'm like, you know what? Oh, I stand corrected. What was the piece you sent me yesterday for people to read? Uh, it's so good. The Hollywood Reporter. From it was a piece, this year, right? Yeah, of Shelley Duvall. She's kind of like living, uh, not as a recluse. She's in, uh, I guess, a small town out and spotlight. out of the spotlight uh, altogether. And there was this horrible interview with Dr. Phil in 2016, and they touch on that. Uh, but yes, I, I, 
I like The Shining. I am not as impacted by it as I probably would have been had I watched it 10 years ago. It's not even my favorite Kubrick movie, but I really like it. But I guess that settles it then. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Let's see what happens this weekend. This also, Canelo's fighting on the sex, so... Oh, yeah. Canelo's fighting in Two Vegas. Weeks. Two weeks. So, a few things... Uh, that's the thing, right? I've complained on the show that not a lot was happening. Things are happening. Not necessarily the most exciting yeah. things. <laughs> we all get a, a burnout, as you call it in English. Yeah. And when the weird cards like stuck up after the Volkanovsky Ortega card mm. yeah, the burnout like appears immediately yeah and like, you can feel it sort of everywhere I think like on Twitter on the discourse trademark like everywhere it's too much MMA it's too much MMA there's way too much and nobody can handle this much it's MMA. insane you can't watch seven hours of MMA every fucking week it's just maybe dumb. we should do some like angry ASMR maybe okay. that's our new thing let's go you start no not now I mean as a future oh, okay commercial product I had the way cars driving us bikes monetize on this okay I understand that that's about cycling being in the future, but cars do not have to be assholes to bikes. That's it. That's my rant. <laughs> Can you even keep us straight? If you see me in a bike, just don't be an asshole to me. It's fine. I feel like we have a our million dollar idea here, babe. Okay. Our angry ASMR. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you. For being here in our living room talking to me today. Oh, say of- my name. Because the last time you didn't say my name, oh, you were yeah. upset with yourself for like a... Three days ago. I just said, like, babe and boo-boo. Everybody knows your name, though. That's what I said the last time. And then you were, like, upset for three days. So thank you, babe, boo-boo, Rodrigo. 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 Del Campo. You like Rodrigo? Rodrigo Del Campo. For joining me here today. We're very formal today. We're using all the last names. Both parents count. (laughs) Thank you, Rodrigo Del Campo. Gonzalez for joining me here today. Thank you at home for listening. Thank you to our producer, editor, Jordan, for being awesome. Uh, thank you. Which random person are we thinking today? Shelly Duvall for, you know, hanging in there. It's been a tough life for you, Shelly. We're with you. This has been the best camp of my life. I will see you all next week.